0: Tonight, I, I, I have a, a Bible study that's... I really, I probably could use this as preaching material. It's not so much a study into the Word of God, but I felt like it was what God would want for tonight. Um, and, I, and so I want to just take you inside my, in my, inside my head for just a little while because uh, I, I believe that I've heard from God. And through the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, I've seen where we're headed. And I see the harvest field. It's white. It's ready for harvest. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not trying to come to you in, in any special way other than I'm just a watchman on the wall. That's what scripture calls me. Uh, I'm a watchman on the wall. And I'm just, just here to show you and tell you what I see and what I feel. We speak often, and it's true, the Lord's coming soon. There's no doubt about that. Uh, The Lord is coming soon. But tonight, let me speak this just a little louder or maybe a little more emphatic. The world is coming, and they are coming right now. It seems that we get so consumed With the coming of the Lord many times. And we work fervently making sure we're ready. None of us want to be lost. So we we work fervently being ready to for his soon return. But but are we as consumed? And are we working as fervently for the world that is coming and is going to knock on our doors? Because I believe the world is coming. They're hurting. They're bruised, they're disillusioned, and they're seeking something that relieves the pain and gives them hope. It doesn't take long wherever you are in public when you strike up a conversation with someone you don't know. It doesn't take long for you to realize this person has troubles in their life. So the, the point of, the, of, of this Bible study tonight is they're coming because they're looking for something. They truly are seeking something that is permanent. They're seeking something that is real because everything that has been offered to them evaporates right in front of them. Anything that they, they find that gives them any, any measure of hope seems to dissolve. It is mine and your responsibility to meet them where they are in their pain and in their struggle and in their disillusionment and love them to Christ. So for the next few moments, let me discuss this thought with you. Make room for the world. Make room for the world. I have a quite lengthy text. I have, In fact, I have two of them. But both accounts that I'm going to read to you, you already know them very, very well. But I still feel like that instead of just extrapolating a few key verses, let's just read it in its context, and it will give context to our Bible study tonight. So if you have your Bibles, Luke 19, I'm going to read the, I'm going to read 10 verses, beginning with verse one. And it says this, "And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans and he was rich. Just keep that thought in mind. He was chief among the publicans and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus who he was and could not for the press because he was was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place he looked up saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste. Come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste, and he came down, and he received him joyfully. Now listen to verse 7. And when they saw it, talking about the public, the religious people, those that kept the law, all of that, the Pharisees and Sadducees and all kind of ease. Um, when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be the guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. Now he just verses eight, verse eight there. Jesus simply says in verse 5, I'm going to your house. Because Jesus is in his presence. Jesus is in the presence of, of Zacchaeus. Or Zacchaeus is in the presence of Jesus. Let's put it that way. He is immediately convicted. And he says, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation. Come to this house for so much as he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Now, I want to make a point here. It has nothing to do with my Bible study. But I thought about this this afternoon. Up here in the second verse, it says, Zacchaeus was chief among the publicans and he was rich. I've often heard people make the comment about rich people and being able to go to heaven, that money would be a stumbling block for some people, and they, you know and, and there is even scripture that says that, that it's easier for the, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to and it just because a rich man has his hope in his wealth. however. There was a young man that came to Jesus that was very wealthy. And he says, Master, what what do I need to do in order to inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus said, sell all you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. And the Scripture says the young man goes away sorrowfully. And a lot of people base their, their belief about people that have money Can't make it to heaven because of this guy and the way he responded. However, verse 2 says that Zacchaeus was rich. And Jesus tells him, Come down. I'm going to your house today. And he tells him, Salvation has come to your house today. Now, what's the difference in those two? What's the difference in those two settings? And I'll tell you, because I know you're sitting there and you've got thoughts, but you're afraid you may be wrong. So let me just, the difference is this. Zacchaeus was not relying upon his wealth. He was immediately smitten by Jesus. And whatever I have is yours. The rich man, the other rich man, was sorrowful and wasn't willing to part with his riches. That's the problem. Scripture also talks about money being the root of all evil. Okay? The lack of money can be the root of evil because I know some people that don't have money. Okay? We don't need to go there. That's another Bible study for another time. And, uh, but here's Zacchaeus. Today salvation has come to your house. Now the other example I want to use is also found in the book of Luke but it's in the 7th ch- chapter. And I'm going to begin at the 36th verse. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him and he went into the Pharisee's house and he sat down to meet. And Behold a woman in the city which was a sinner and he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. Let's say, wait a minute. Let me back up. Let's go back to the 36th verse. And one, of the, and one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meat. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it and spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. There's two two occasions here. Because of the law and the way the law was written and the way the law was interpreted, the Jews wanted nothing to do with those that were not living according to the law. That's why we, we talk about Pharisaical spirits sometimes. The Pharisees were students of the law. They knew the law inside and out, upside down, and, and however way you want to look at it. However, they were supposed to be abiding by the law, and they did abide by the ceremonial parts of the law. But the moral parts of the law often were ignored. And we'll talk about that some more in just a moment. I've often wondered what did, because Scripture is not clear, there's, many believe that this is Mary Magdalene. However, this Scripture setting says she's still a sinner, okay? And we know Jesus changed Mary's life. I've wondered many, many times, what? What had Jesus done for this woman in order for this woman to feel the way she felt, and for her to give the worship that she, that she gave? Our first text tonight gives us some insight as to, as to Jesus as Jesus finds a hated sinner and calls him into fellowship and into salvation. Our second text shows us a woman in which the religious right has already branded her as not being as good as them because by their definition she is a sinner. I use the phrase by their definition because in the second text Jesus points out to Simon his own sin and his own inconsistency and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. In our first text, Zacchaeus would not have won any favorite person awards. Um, He was a tax collector. Um, As Chris said Sunday morning, he was the hated IRS agent. Uh, So, note here, Jesus finds a hated sinner and calls him to fellowship and to salvation. That's the point. I don't want to get away from this until we realize Jesus found somebody hated, but Jesus loved him. This sinner named Zacchaeus, who was he hated by? He was hated by everyone. He was hated by fellow citizens, his peers, his acquaintances, and possibly even his own family. Scripture really doesn't bear out anything more than he was hated, but think about this. Jesus loved him, Jesus loved him. Why did Jesus love Zacchaeus? Was it because he was rich? (laughs) Hardly, that didn't impress Jesus at all. Was it because he was well-connected? That doesn't do anything for Jesus either. No, it was simply because Zacchaeus was a human being. Jesus also had extra compassion on Zacchaeus because he was a lost sinner. Now I want you to think about that. Does that really speak anything to us? I mean, we we think we think so often we love Jesus. Jesus loves us, and and we look with eyes of Um, ridicule maybe sometimes that those that don't know the Lord and we think well we're one of his children he loves us the most I'm sorry that's not the truth in fact if you want to really look at it in a natural sense you've got more than one child and especially for those of you that, that have adult children You've got one, two, three children that their lives are good, but you've got one child that their life seems to be going in the wrong direction all the time. That's the child you pray for the most. That's the child you reach for the most. Why? Because you love them. So what I'm saying here is the Lord has us where he wants us. So when we look at those out there that are not saved, let's understand his compassion is leaning toward them even more than it leans toward us. Because they don't have what we have. Did you notice Jesus didn't ask Zacchaeus to come down and repent? He just told him, I'm going to your house today. Just his desire, just Zacchaeus' desire to see Jesus put him in the position that Jesus recognized Zacchaeus' hunger. Zacchaeus being in the presence of Jesus caused him to repent and to give his life to Christ. I mean, just the fact that that he was in the presence of Jesus changed everything. I'm sure Zacchaeus had heard of the fame of Jesus. I'm sure all of that played into it. And we don't know what all was going on in Zacchaeus's life. Scripture doesn't tell us. I mean, if you were hated by everyone, that bound to make an impression upon you. And I'm sure he didn't, he didn't enjoy the fact that he was hated. And I'm sure that there were a lot of things that were pressing on his mind. And he thought, maybe this Jesus can change my life. All of a sudden, he's in the presence of Jesus. And just being in the presence of Jesus changed everything. All the world needs from us is our love and Jesus' presence. That's all they need. That's all they need. The religious right of that day did not like Jesus spending time with a Zacchaeus. Or the woman with the alabaster box. They were critical of both of those because it made them very uncomfortable with their own inconsistency in their life. You say, now, Brother Bruce, what do you mean by that? Okay. We all have our um, our church faces on. How you doing, Brother? Oh, everything's good. It was great, you know. Everything going well, sister? Oh, yes, I'm so blessed. I'm just didn't, but we didn't dare tell anybody that on the way to church, you and your husband just had a knockdown drag out. In the, or things just didn't go well at work today and you chewed somebody up one side and down the other, or you got chewed up one side and down the other. The world is is hurting. Just being in the presence of Jesus changes everything. However, regardless of mine and your opinions, Jesus loves Zacchaeus. He loves the Zacchaeuses and the sinner men and women of life, and they are coming to us. They're coming one at a time. I, I'm, not, I'm not looking for them to be lined up. If they're lined up Sunday morning, praise God. But I'm not looking for it to happen that way. But there are so many of you that are testifying of, uh, uh, to, to Don and I about people that you're running into in the grocery store or, in, or people at work or, or wherever, and people's lives are just a mess. All they need is Jesus. All they need is Jesus. And you say, "Well, brother Bruce, I, I have Jesus in my life some mess. We got this going." But let me tell you, let me ask you this. How would you like to be navigating what you're navigating without Jesus? I mean, it's the presence of the Lord in your life that is getting you through what you're trying to get through. They don't have that. You do. I feel the Holy Ghost. Mm. We will be given a chance to be a Jesus role model to them. I, I can't get away from the fact that Zacchaeus just being in the presence of Jesus says if I've done anything wrong. I'm, I'm sorry. I'll restore. I'll do whatever I have to. Just being in the presence of Jesus changes that. I must ask the question, will we pass the test? Will we be Jesus to them or, or will we judge them worthy of Jesus such as the religious right in that day in the book of Luke? I would like us to read Jesus' response to the accusations of those that hated Zacchaeus. And also, I want to include Jesus' response to those in Simon's house that stood in judgment of the woman with the alabaster box. Let me back up. I, don't try to follow me on this, Brother Dylan. But I'm going to back up and pick up verses 9 and 10 of Luke 19. And this is where Jesus is telling Zacchaeus, and then I'll move on to the the planned verse. Jesus said unto him, "This day is salvation come to this house, for so much for so much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost." And then beginning at the picking it up at the eleventh verse, and as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable. Jesus always talked in parables. Because he was nigh to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. In verse 12 he says, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds. And he said unto them, Occupy till I come. And I know in our minds, one of the first things we think about, well, what has this got to do with Zacchaeus? What it's got to do with is the attitude of those that was judging Zacchaeus. That's what this has got to do with. Verse 14. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him to whom he had given the money that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first saying, Lord, thy pound gained 10 pounds. And he said unto him, well, thou good, and ser- thou, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful and a very little thou Have thou authority over ten cities? And the second came, saying, Lord, thy pound gained five pounds. And he said likewise to him. Be thou also over five cities. And another came, saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. For I feared thee, because thou art an asture man. And thou takest up that thou laidest not down, and reapest that thou didst not sow. And he said unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking up that I laid not down, and reaping that I did not sow. Wherefore, then gavest not thou my money into the bank, that at my coming I might have required mine own with usury? And he said unto him that stood by, Take from him the pound, and give it to him that hath ten pounds. Verse 25 says, And they said unto him, Lord, he hath ten pounds. Why are you giving it to him? will not you give it to the one that had five, you know? Verse 26 says, For I say unto you that unto every one which hath shall be given, and for him that hath not, even that he hath shall be taken away from him. But those mine enemies, which would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. Jesus was talking to this attitude of these people that were judging Jesus because he singled out a hated man. And he says, I'm going to your house today. Verses 26 and 27 are important because verse 26 tells us, for those who work to increase the kingdom and labor in the harvest, I will bless you. I will give to you. I will will be generous to you. I will bless you in many ways. And those that labor not will lose what they have. And then verse 27, those that don't like what he is doing will be slain or in our 21st century lingo will find themselves spiritually dead. In other words, if you're if you're not if he's not ruling as Lord in your life and when you say I'm allowing him to rule as Lord in my life, then you're saying I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. A servant of the Lord Jesus Christ shares the message of the Lord Jesus Christ if we're not sharing the message of the Lord Jesus Christ to those that will listen, can we really say we're servants of the Lord? Now let's read Jesus' response to Simeon, or Simon rather, and his house in reference to the woman with the alabaster box and the worship she brought to Jesus. Because that's just a beautiful scene, the woman with the alabaster box. Beginning and I'm going to pick it back up in verse 39 again. That was the last verse I read, and then I'll read on from there. So now when the Pharisees, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. Well, frankly, he was more than a prophet. That's... that's, that's Let's answer that part right there. Uh, They were looking at Jesus as being possibly a, a prophet of some type, but he was more than a prophet. And he knew more about the woman than the woman knew about the woman. Okay? So he knows exactly the state of this woman, which was a sinner. And Jesus answering and said unto Simon, I have somewhat to say to thee, oh, I love this. I, 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 love, I love it when Jesus kind of sets everybody straight, you know. And he said, Master, say on." He said, there was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Think about that for just a minute. One owed 500 pence, the other only owed 50. He forgave them both, so which one loved him the most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most, and he said unto him, thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and he said to Simon, seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, and thou gavest me no water, from my feet. Now that right there was an insult if you go back to the custom of that day. If you were an honored guest, the lowest servant on the totem pole in that home washed your dirty feet. Okay? So there's a lot to go into just that alone. I entered into thine house and thou gavest me no water. my feet in other words they they wouldn't they wouldn't putting jesus too high they invited him to the house to eat but he wasn't that important he said but she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head in other words there's another opinion out there about who i am that's what jesus is saying and this woman whom you're judging to be a sinner She knows what I can do. Verse 45, thou gavest me no kiss. That was another custom. But this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint. But this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment in fact it was very costly wherefore I say unto thee her sins which were many or which are many are forgiven for she loved much but to whom little is forgiven the same loveth little in other words what he just said in verse 47 Simon I forgive this woman but I don't forgive you because your heart's not in the right place. He belonged to the religious rite of that day. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. And he's saying, I forgive her. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. And they that set it meet with him began to say within themselves, who is this that forgiveth sins also? I mean, already, they, they just keep digging that hole deeper. I'm talking about the religious right here. I'm not talking about the world out there. I'm talking about those that are critical of the sinner. Verse 49, they're digging the hole deeper for themselves because they're looking at Jesus saying, who does he think he is? Forgiving sin. He said to the woman, thy faith hath saved thee go in peace I think the first thing we need to recognize is how much the worship this woman brought to Jesus meant to him I have watched many through my years being raised in church all the way up to the present I have watched mothers and fathers that had a wayward son or daughter that had backslid, gone out into the world, gotten into all kinds of problems. And I watched whenever that child began to make their way back to God, I watched as that mother and father, they didn't, they didn't shout and buck and kick and snort and jump and run no they were just so grateful and they just thanked God they just thanked God that 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 wayward son or daughter was making their way home I make that comparison and I go back to the comparison I made when I began we think that we're the most loved because we are good children of the Lord When in reality, his compassion for those that don't know him is reaching for them more than it's reaching toward us. He's blessing us. He's doing things for us. He rewards us. He honors us. He does all. But when it comes to that compassion that reaches, he's reaching for that world. He's reaching for the lost. He's reaching for that wayward son or daughter that has left the fold or never did enter the fold or doesn't even know anything about about the fold. And he's taking you and me and he's leading us into their path. And the Lord told us, He said, Your job is very, very simple some plant and some water but he will give the increase. All I've got to be is the hands and the feet and the voice of Jesus. That's all I've got to be. I don't even have to get into an Acts 2.38 Bible study with them. All I've got to do is just, just let them know I care. on our trip to General Conference, especially in the hotel, the conference center, there was many people that we come in contact with. And Donna and I kept making the statement to each other, I hope everyone's on their best behavior, (laughs) talking about us Pentecostals. And apparently we were because they were all expressing how much they appreciated us and how good it was to have us there. And Now, you say, well, they probably do that with every big group that comes in. I'm, and I'm sure they probably do. They're probably trained to show appreciation. But there was something about the sincerity as they said, thank you all for coming. Jesus was much more pleased with the woman with the alabaster box and her worship than he was with the so-called religious of the day, of that day. Don't misunderstand me. Jesus is looking for those whose heart is right with him, but he looks on with greater intensity to those that need him so desperately. And that's where we come in. He loves us as his church but he longs for those listen to that he longs for those who don't know that they have a standing invica- invitation to become a part of his church God has blessed us with very, with much revelation of who he is and what he can do it is our responsibility to receive the world as Christ would receive the world that's our responsibility according to Luke 12:48 it says, "For unto whomsoever much is given of him shall be much required." James weighed in on this topic as well in 417 of James, therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin it is my mission and it is your mi- mission reach our world let me present to you a parting question as we close tonight could we stand before God on judgment day and hear him say to us depart from me simply because we did not welcome the world You say, well, no, Brother Bruce I, No it's all, it's all it says I've got to have the Holy Ghost you, you, you got to remember There's another scripture in there That says that at that day There will be those that said, But Lord We perform miracles in your name We did this and we did that And he says depart from me I never knew you So could The possibility exist That we would stand before judgment God on judgment day And hear him say depart Because we did not make the world welcome. These last two scriptures that I have read to you condemn the church that does not enter in to the harvest field. Saturday, we have a tremendous opportunity here. And I didn't even think about that until just now. There's a lot of people going to be here. A lot of people going to stop and look at all those old cars and trucks and things that's going to be displayed out there. And, And there's probably some people in our church that probably thought, why in the world are we doing that? Well, it brings the world onto our parking lot. And this is holy ground. And they may feel something they've never felt before. And we wonder sometimes why we do things. We, we spend a lot of time and effort around here preparing for the future, preparing for the world. I mean, years ago, we entered in, built 23,000 square foot back here to make available to the world. I'll never forget the night I drove up here to the church. And it wasn't too long after that built-in was completed, and this place was wrapped up with cars. I was coming to my office. I knew Donna was here with the ladies. The ladies had, a, had something going on here in the auditorium, and I was just coming up to be in my office, and I was going to work in my office while they were all here. But this place was wrapped up. Cars were everywhere. First thing hit my mind is, oh, my God, what did I forget? We're having church, and I'm not, and the pastor's not there, you know. I walked in, and I asked somebody, I, I said, what in the world is going on? I said, oh, well, the ladies have a meeting, and the Grant Parish Athletic Group, they had a meeting going on in the community room. School Bus Drivers Association had a, Grant Parish School Bus Drivers Association had a meeting going on in the choir rehearsal room, um, and there was one other group that was here. Uh, I don't remember now exactly who it was. But all of those things were happening in one night in our facility. Our place has been used for a lot of different things. We're constantly looking to the future. How can we make this place more appealing for the world to come walking in? The world needs what you and I have. And even though we plan and we work here, you give so that we can do the things that we do, and thank you so much for your cooperation for all those things. But we also need to be planning for how we go into the public and how we are in public. If you ordered your steak medium and it comes out well done, it's very good. I know some of you take issue. Well, I'm spending my money. Well, look, don't worry about your money because you have no idea what the cook is going through in their life or what the little server is going through in their life. You have no idea. And if you look up at them, and you create just around where you're sitting an atmosphere of peace, they'll keep your tea glass filled for you because they just they gravitate to you. You know, there's something about our human nature. Our human nature seeks comfort at all levels. We do. We want to be comfortable. So, if all hell is breaking loose in my life, where do I want to be? I want to be near people that exude peace. We've got to, that's us. I have the Spirit of the Most High God living in me. Surely, surely. If he's living in me, I should radiate his glory around me. Mm. I feel the presence of the Lord. Won't you stand with me? When we lift our hands to the Lord, And I don't know, maybe, maybe you just need to say to the Lord tonight, God, just help me. Help me to be a vessel. Be a vessel that you want to fill. Be a vessel that you want to pour into that I may pour out. Why don't you just do that right now? Just lift your hands to him. Put it in your words. Just make yourself available. Oh, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we love you and we worship you and we thank you for an opportunity to serve you. We thank you for an opportunity to be your hands and your feet and your voice in this present world. Use us. Use us, oh God. Use us, you have blessed us to be filled with your presence. But use us, oh God, to touch our world around us. Help us that we plant. Help us that we water. That you may give the increase that, that is due unto you. Help us to enter into that harvest field. And help us to, to, to reap that harvest for you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.